When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and the trade deadline is just over a week away. That means it's time to double down and get serious. We will obviously talk about the Yanks weekend in Baltimore as well. Don't get us wrong. We're not zipping right to the trade deadline. But now is the time to figure out what is fiction, what is fact, and which Ken Rosenthal accounts are actually run by Ken himself and not a 16-year-old child who is late for Thursday night dinner. In order to parse that out, Thomas Carinante and myself are going to bring on a special guest in a little bit who knows a little bit more than we do about the deadline. We're going to pepper him with Yankees questions, with sports-specific questions, with rival questions, with rumors that make no sense to us, with rumors that we're scared about, and we will get the lowdown for you. That will come up in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Honestly, a few minutes. You do not have to wait long. You're going to have to trust us on that. But for those on the stream beforehand, we do want to give a special shout-out to uh, an event we went to yesterday, Thomas Carinante. Uh, Show love real quick to uh, our Sunday afternoon in Somerset. Ooh, Somerset Patriots, double-A affiliate of the New York Yankees. Uh, our buddy Eli Fishman hooked us up, uh, brought us in with a number of other Yankees podcasts to um, uh, TD Bank Stadium uh, in mm-hmm. Bridgewater for uh, yesterday's Patriots game. Um, they played double-A uh, Reading, Phillies uh, double-A Phillies affiliate. Uh, won the game 7-4, Austin Wells and Everson Pereira homered. Uh, pretty cool time. Uh, Anthony Volpe didn't give us the highlight reel we were hoping for, but can't do that every night. The night before he hit the game tying home run in the bottom of the eighth, they ended up winning that game too. Um, so 
Uh, nonetheless, we got a stadium tour. Uh, talk to Sparky Lyle. We're going to have that audio for you. We talked to another Yankees prospect. We're going to have that audio for you, too. Um, it was a great time, great meeting people, connecting with other um, Yankees fans, Yankees podcasters. Uh, and overall, great afternoon. Nice hot day. Great day for baseball. Got some concessions. Enjoyed some beer. Um, what a life it is. Yeah, the hot dogs were uh, spectacularly cheap. I also want to shout out, uh, it was the mascot Sparky's birthday, and we got yeah, to see a ton you. of other mascots from the region celebrating his birthday. <laughs> uh, many of them were standard. You got the Rutgers, you know, the, the Scarlet Knight. You got Seton Hall's Pirate. TD Bank had a mascot uh, who I'm, I'm unfamiliar with, and, and, and I believe his name was like Mr. TD, but he was like a green top of a like the top of an exclamation point it's like a square yeah. version of a shrunken exclamation point uh, with green spandex legs and i want to give a special shout out to mr td it's not something you see every day um and that's like a <laughs> that's like a national sponsor that, that you know td bank i mean that's like the garden in boston you you'd think i would have run across him before yesterday but <laughs> I, I really haven't so i don't know if that's a new invention or if we're just late to the game, but Mr. TV also a, a clear standout. And yes, like Thomas said, we're going to have that Sparky Lyle audio to you later in the week. We're going to have, we talked to Yankee center field prospect, Brandon Lockridge. Will he be on the team by the time his audio is published? That is for the rest of us to find out. He has been thrown into, I keep throwing him into trade packages. That's, that's what happens if you're pretty good. Like yeah. if you're, you're a pretty good Yankees prospect, I believe he ranks 17th on MLB pipeline. And you've got, you know, this, this, developing power speed combo and you're somebody who other organizations are maybe going to take a look at he's like a tier two yankee prospect then you know what you're you're the kind of guy who's going to get tossed into trade packages when they're, they're hypotheticals pitched by me that's just the way it's going to go and i apologize for that but brandon was an extremely nice guy he will be an asset to whatever team he ultimately ends up cracking the bigs for uh i did not get to ask him about his frustration being stuck behind joey gallo but you know what that's a question for another day uh way too affable for me to mess up his mood with it with a question like that now the new york yankees were in baltimore this weekend uh lost an extremely important piece in winning two out of three games uh michael king went down on friday night it was briefly not quite as bad as we thought it would be he you know had a fracture in the elbow, horrible, but that's not UCL damage. And so he should be back for the beginning of next year, even though next year's not this year. And this year's the year where you want him. But then it came out on Sunday that it might be just as bad as the worst case scenario, that even though there's no UCL damage yet, he still might need Tommy John. I don't know what this injury is. Leave it to the Yankees to innovate beyond the typical elbow injury and end up with a, broken elbow pop crack no ligament damage some ligament damage i couldn't possibly tell you but regardless king is out for the year at the very least potentially next year as well if that doesn't alter the yankees trade deadline plans i don't know what does they probably and by probably i mean definitely should have been after a reliever before that happened they did not have enough ammo in the bullpen to carry them through the postseason even a team with a supposedly weak bullpen like the houston astros uh you know, has Rafael Montero, has Ryan Presley, has Ryan Stanek, has a three-headed monster. The Yankees had Holmes and King, and that was really it. Now they don't have King. And what better time to oh. bring on oh, let's go. guest, MLB Insider, fan side is MLB Insider, Robert Murray. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. We will take you for as long as we have you, but this is perfect timing because we were talking about the Michael King injury 
and how it may or may not alter the Yankees' deadline plans. Obviously, they were in on bullpen help before he was hurt, but now it's Clay Holmes, and they haven't even been using Wandy Peralta lately. He hasn't appeared after the break. Clearly, something's wrong there, even though they're not touching upon it. They get Ron Marinaccio back, but like that's a guy you want in the fifth and sixth inning, not really your eighth inning guy all of a sudden. So has the Michael King injury changed anything that you've heard about the Yankees deadline plans or was it full steam ahead with the bullpen even before this went down? You know, I thought they could have used somebody who's an upgrade over Rolish Chapman because I mean, he looked nothing like his former self whatsoever. Um, But replacing a guy now that Michael King, well, he might need Tommy John surgery, which that would not put him out for only this year, but probably most of next year as well. So like, this is like a multiple year kind of thing. And I think that's got to be one of their top priorities right now. And I've heard they have been making calls in the bullpen market. That's something I'm watching relatively closely uh, just because I think this is the kind of year that the Yankees need to make a big splash. I know a lot of people are crying for Juan Soto, but I would not get your hopes up for a Juan Soto trade anywhere until this offseason, I think that's much more realistic then. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a bullpen trade is going to be at the forefront of what the Yankees do, along with other things as well. Yeah, it's a good point you make about this being a multi-year thing, because honestly, even if the elbow's fractured, that's a bad injury. I don't know if I believe to be uh, Michael King to be ready by opening day. We've seen a lot of these timelines get thrown off. They're a little bit more optimistic than, um, than, than you'd, you'd kind of want them to be. Um, I'd rather them be realistic so we know. Um, but on that note, have you heard of any controllable relievers that might be on the market beyond just this season that the Yankees could make a splash on? Maybe they're not necessarily linked to them right now, but they could be available. You know, I fully expect teams to call the Pirates about David Bednar. Um, they are not in a hurry to move him, but I have heard that they're also like open to listening. And the Pirates, they've been hesitant to give big money to like relievers in the past. And Bednar at this rate is going to command a pretty hefty contract. So it's possible like that he could end up being traded. I'd still, as I said, put it in the unlikely category. Um, but there's going to be a multitude of relievers available. Like this is the kind of year. I mean, it seems like we can say it every every year. There's a multitude of options that are out there. So they're, they're going to have no shortage of teams or uh, of options to choose from. I could also look at a team like the Chicago Cubs. Um, they have Michael Gibbons, who has been awesome this year. They have David Robertson, who they know. Uh, and they also have Chris Martin. And I know the Yankees have actually been scouting the Cubs. They had a scout there pretty recently watching them. So, um, like, that would be one trade fit that I think would make sense. I love that because you don't hear enough about Gibbons, someone who I've sort of been banging the drum I was all on Givens at at the 2020 deadline when the Yankees did literally nothing. And we did a live trade deadline spectacular podcast. And and the end result was, it was like (laughs) Givens and Archie Bradley, where I was like, these two guys are going to help your bullpen, but they're not going to cost a King's ransom. And the Yankees need to get one of them. And then the Yankees didn't get either of them and didn't really even try. And all my Michael Givens content went right in the garbage. But I've definitely been, you know, I've been eyeballing him for quite a while. Um, and, and I'd be more than interested in that. David Robertson is obviously the name that's on every Yankee fan's lips just because of the familiarity, but I don't know about you. That's always felt like um, back when the outfield was the Yankees' focus, 
I think it was easy to draw up an Ian Happ, David Robertson package and say, doesn't that make sense? But it does feel like other teams are more in on David Robertson now, mainly because it feels like there are like 15 teams in on David Robertson now. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's a very fair assessment. And we could also say the same thing about Michael Gibbons too. I've been told the interest there is pretty strong uh, from a, a wide ranging teams. And I had somebody actually definitively tell me like that he's going to be traded. I'm talking about Gibbons, uh, which makes sense because he's on a one-year deal and they can get a pretty good haul back for him. But um, it's not going to be cheap to get either one of these guys. And I, th- I think Robertson may be more likely to go to the Mets. Uh, I've heard that the Mets actually love him. So, and he's also got the familiarity there with Billy Epler. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think like on this note that they're going to be talking to the Cubs about relief pitching. I think they already have. Um, and the fact that they're scouting them in like in Chicago would indicate like it's more than like just passing interest. Yeah. While we're on the Cubs, before we move on, because we do have other pitching questions, what's <laughs> yeah. what's 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 the gauge on Ian Happ here? Um, Yank, clear Yankees fit because, you know, you can comment here or not. I don't think Gallo's with this team after August 2nd. Um, they need a clear replacement for uh, left field. Uh, right and center are pretty much locked down, in my opinion, with Hicks and Judge splitting in center and then Judge and Stanton splitting in right. Um, and then you got Tim LaCastro popping in there as need be. Happ has been very comfortable in left field this year. His bats got, I know the power's gone down a little bit, but he's still ripping doubles. Career high in average right now. Are the Cubs looking at all to shop there? Or are they they're going to have to be blown away with, with, uh, with a package? Yeah, they are definitely in listening mode on Ian Happ. Uh, the two teams that I've heard most prominently connected to him have been the Toronto Blue Jays, which would not be good for you guys. I'm sorry about that. Nope. Um, and the also the San Diego Padres. Uh-huh. Um, it seems like the Padres are in on everybody. Everyone. I don't know. AJ Preller, he just does what he does. And, I mean, more power to the guy. I don't think he sleeps. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, all right. But We get news? Give us the news. Uh, <laughs> no, I just, no. yeah, now we're all good. Okay. All right, just, good. Yeah. Hap, I mean, Hap would be great. Lefty bat, Yankee stadium, ob- the obvious fit that everyone talks about every year. I don't really care about it that much. If you hit the ball with power, I think you're hitting home runs regardless. Um, but the fact that if they had a league average bat in Gallo's place, Adam and I talked about this before because Yankee fans want Juan Soto. Who doesn't want Juan Soto? Great player, two and a half years of control. It's not going to cost you as much as a 15, a 12 to 15 year extension would Hap, though you get through next year. You put him in between in that lineup with the protection that he would get. Um, he's already doing this well on a Cubs team. That's massively underperforming even for their, you know, very low expectations this year. Um, I think that makes all the difference if they just get somebody who can do a little bit more than Gallo as opposed to getting somebody as as impactful as Soto and also, you know, having to surrender the, the top of your farm for it. Um, so that's why we're pretty intrigued by Hap. We think that's a nice media, happy medium there for the Yankees. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think like, after I get off the call here with you guys that I'll place more text to see like exactly where the Yankees are in on this. But they also have the benefit of having Anthony Rizzo on that team, and they can get the exact scouting report on Hap. Uh, and I like there's teams that do that quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hap is more likely than not to be traded. 
And if the Yankees don't get a guy like Juan Soto, which, as I said, I don't think that. Like, I mean, the fact that he's controllable after this year makes him a whole lot more valuable. Yeah, I don't. They wouldn't require one of their top prospects either. Like, so okay, I'm curious what you guys think here. Would you rather um, part with your top three or four prospects to get Juan Soto, or would you rather trade like maybe one or two decent, like pretty good prospects to get Hap for this year and next year? You're speaking my language here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we keep we keep rebutting this New York Post column that like obviously most people have already moved on from, but you know, we're Yankee writers yeah. and we can't. That basically said the Juan Soto chase is make or break for this Hal Steinbrenner regime. And on the one hand, like, yes, when does a player like Juan Soto become available at the age of twenty-three with two point five years ahead of him? Almost never. It's like Miguel Cabrera, Babe Ruth, and the list is over. So on that front, I do understand the urge to say, like, hey, if the New York Yankees aren't in on this, then they're not serious about the pursuit of a championship. But that said, they're a starting pitcher short. They're two relievers short. And Matt Carpenter is playing like an MVP candidate. So they have a need in the outfield to replace Joey Gallo. But do they have a need for Juan Soto or do they have a need for Ian Happ or even David Peralta? So you know, I stand with if the Yankees were to sacrifice the top of their farm system for, you know, Juan, Juan Soto, I'm certainly not going to protest having him in my lineup. But at the same time, I have, a, I have I find it hard to believe that it's make or break when you really could be making the calculus of, I don't know, you want to give up a top 25 prospect for Peralta and then go all in on Castillo? Or you want to go a little lesser for half? And Thomas, I don't know if you feel the same way, but at, like a week ago, that's where I stood. And then now I still stand yeah. there. Yeah, no, yeah, I want to ask you, sorry, Thomas, is, no, uh, is you mentioned Carpenter and what he's done this year. Would you rather give 15 years for $440 million to Juan Soto or Matt Carpenter? Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you're talking Carpenter with a rebuilt swing. I think he was probably like a $90 million man in St. Louis. But then now yeah. that he looks like this, yeah, I, I would give him, I think I would give him the 440. Um, pay him yeah. through his age 47 season. Yeah, shame on me. I didn't. I, I didn't mention him. I don't know how I forgot about him. He's been incredible. He's been my, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, but yeah, in on that conversation with Soto, um, I would I rather surrender less. Sure. I also don't care about prospects. Um, and Adam and I were talking yesterday. The Yankees built this current farm system in three years: Austin Wells, Volpe, Trey Sweeney, Ken Waldachuk. Uh, Ken Waldachuk was a little bit before. Um, uh, Roderick Arias, all those guys were within the last few years. So if you can trade all your top 10 prospects and get Luis Castillo and Juan Soto and then rebuild the farm in the next three years before Soto hits free agency, then I think that's a win. You just need to have a plan in place to do it. Um, Then again, if we're talking about the Yankees maybe being cheap and skimping and not being as aggressive, then yeah, I want to go Hap and then I want to give up more for Castillo. I think that makes the most sense. I just, I wish I knew what they were thinking because They've let us down so many years in the past with not being as aggressive at the trade deadline as they should. Um, and then, you know, you look at these old tweets of screenshots of the farm system from, you know, 2017, and none of those guys are relevant anymore. I'm not saying these this current iteration of guys won't be relevant, but like you got to just take the plunge and get better when you can. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And I hear you. I think if there was ever a year to take that plunge and, and part with those prospects is this year. I mean, like, would you guys agree with me? They have a better shot than any team right now to like win the World Series. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're right up there with the Dodgers and the Astros. I, I don't know how much you can do. I, I think I should have learned my lesson with the regular season series with the Astros last year because <laughs> the Yankees took it and took it pretty easily. And you know, nobody in New York believed in the 2021 Yankees. And and oftentimes in the middle of September, I'd have to remind myself that a couple months ago they went four and two against the Astros. Like, that's ridiculous. How did that possibly happen? Uh, so they went two and five this year. They didn't lead for a single inning. They did win two games. They could, uh, you know, flip a couple of coins, though, and they could have gone four and three. They could have easily won. They started Domingo Herman in one of those games as a sacrificial lamb for whatever reason. I think the only reason that they should be, I mean, should they be nervous about the Astros? Yes. The Astros are really talented um, and they're probably the second best team in the AL and the Yankees are going through their slump era right now. But I, I think those teams are very similar. I think Houston's bullpen is just as meltdown prone as the Yankees. If the Yankees add one or two more guys, I think Justin Verlander is a crazy number one. I think Garrett Cole is also proven to be better against top competition than he is against the Baltimore Orioles, for instance. So um, you know, I can nervously talk myself out of the Yankees contending because I, I do that every year. I just mentally get out of that space before I get in it. But they're objectively a top three team in baseball. Brian Cashman went to the depths to salvage last year's roster with Anthony Rizzo and Gallo. That team was on the fringes, was a 500 team at the deadline. It was Cashman saying, you know, we need emergency surgery here. We don't just need additions. 
this year's team is clearly a contender. And no matter how pessimistic you are on them, they're a top four team, right? I think you can include the Mets at the bottom end or the Braves. Nope. I mean, whichever one you prefer. But I feel like they're very obviously an ALCS favorite at this point and have a great opportunity ahead of them. Uh, now, you uh, have obviously been on the Luis, Luis Castillo market these past couple weeks. I feel like he's the name that if you're not going to cash in your chips for Soto, you're going to cash in maybe one of your top three prospects, another top 10 guy, and then two more talented pieces for Castillo. But we've heard the Astros in there. We've heard the Dodgers in there. We've heard the Blue Jays in there. It's basically a murderer's row of teams you don't want to be involved if you are the Yankees. Um, now, is this a realistic fit for the Yankees, or is it another pipe dream where fans are photoshopping him into the jersey and it just turns out to be Carlos Correa? <laughs> I, I think this one's much more realistic than Carlos Correa. Um, yeah, I, I think you're safe to Photoshop the jerseys. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to happen, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the Yankees definitely have the need and the want to make it happen. And the fact that he pitched so well at Yankee Stadium um, gave them a pretty good idea that he can like perform at that ballpark and like is not afraid of the spotlight. Um, and it's going to, like with all those teams that you mentioned that are in this thing, it's going to be expensive. Like it's going to, it's going to take a, a decent amount, especially since he's controllable too. Um, but I, I, that's somebody that I think makes a whole lot of sense for the Yankees. And is like a better fit than a say, I mean, going offense here, Andrew Benintendi. Um, and like also another pitcher that the Yankees like nothing's close right now. Oh, Jose Quintana. They like him. Uh... No, no. Boy, I love the enthusiasm, boys. Uh, yeah, for those not watching the stream, I just put on a Quintana jersey. I'm doing a little dance. I think some would classify it as a lambada. Yeah, I think that. I mean, Thomas, correct me if I'm wrong. That that just feels like a a real 2019 move, like a Jay Happ in the middle of his All Star season yeah. thing. It's it's a low energy loser trade, and I'll look. I'll take Quintana. It is. It's a low energy loser trade. It's if you're getting that as if that's what last year's Andrew Heaney trade was supposed to be. Like you get Quintana as like the second starter to eat innings down the stretch to preserve Nestor Cortez to ensure that Luis Severino is healthy by the time the postseason arrives to maybe even take some stress off Jordan Montgomery's arm because we've seen him you know get tired down the stretch too. Um, I'm not opposed to that, but that can't be the starting pitching acquisition for this team. Um, I think it's got to be Luis Castillo. And, you know, speaking of yesterday, speaking of what you speaking of yesterday and what you just said, Robert, Castillo is going to be a haul. Won't be a Juan Soto haul, but it's going to be a lot. And yesterday, Yankees Twitter was freaking out because Jason Mingas got yanked from his uh, game with high Hudson Valley, as did Trey Sweeney. The team was down 12 to eight and Sweeney was. What was he away from a cycle? A double? One hit away, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. one hit away. But if it was a triple, it's that's a lot less, less meaningless. I didn't get all the intel there. But nonetheless, both of those guys get pulled. Yankees Twitter's freaking out. Would that be indicative of what the Luis Castillo package might look like? Or is that an overpay? I think that might be a little bit too much. But I also could yeah. be wrong. No, I'm thinking that's probably in the overpay category. Okay. They're going to do probably everything in their power not to part with Dominguez or, or Volpe um, in these kind of deals. So, I mean, the only time that I think that would be suitable is for a guy like Juan Soto. But, um, yeah, I'll tell you, when those two got pulled, um, 
phone obviously started blowing up. Twitter went nuts. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh boy, it's that time of the year again. Let's. And then, I'm, like, I, I used to hate the hug watch thing, like, like where a player's pulled, yeah. but like now I'm fully into it. Like I've, I've kind of like come to my senses now. Like, got a boy, what a beautiful time of year, and just know we have what eight more days of this. I had to do the quick math in my head, but are you guys excited? <laughs> Yeah, we were uh, we were in Somerset, New, you know, at the Somerset Patriots game yesterday at the Yankees Double A affiliate, and you can't. I mean, you want to talk about hug watch? You can't map out more perfect timing. Dominguez and Sweeney get pulled. It's like four forty Eastern, and the game is at five. Volpe's in the lineup. He's leading off. It's it'll be obvious if he gets yanked. Like there'll be no secrets. Like we're running to the. You know, the whiteboard, you know, lineup board where the guy's writing out names. We're standing behind there wondering if, like, a crazy-looking man is going to run out and erase him. Like, we just don't know. They got Elijah Dunham. They got Everson Pereira. They got all these, like, tier two Yankees prospects names in the lineup, too. And we're like, these guys start sitting, man. This really might be something. And then all of Yankees Twitter gives everybody a lecture and heat stroke. And we're like, okay, it is 100 degrees everywhere. So you never know. But – Josh Bro, who's who's a catcher who I know people are scouting, was out of the AAA lineup yesterday. You know, Will Warren had pitched a couple days prior. I know that's somebody that the Reds have reportedly liked, and why wouldn't you like him? I think if the Yankees can get away with, like, one of those tippy-top names, like Oswald Peraza or, you know, Austin Wells, probably Peraza, capping that package, and then, like, a Bro, Warren, Pereira four-person package that feels like it makes sense maybe you even take on mike moustakis's money as painful as that is but does that sound like i'm reaching or am i reasonable here i i can't say i've heard it um but i mean it, it i don't think the yankees would be in any hurry to take on moustakis's <laughs> contract um especially with since they have donaldson's deal on the books too like that yeah not great um no. also like but by the way one thing i wanted to mention with jose quintana um, not to like change subjects real quick, but I wanted to make sure I said it is he's got the versatility where obviously, yeah, he can pitch out of the rotation, but he can also pitch out of the bullpen. He did it last year with the giants. So maybe that could be like some pseudo like starter slash bullpen role. Yeah. So it's like, I know that's something that I've heard from a couple different teams, at least like if they could implement them like that. Yeah, the old Jaime Garcia. I mean, the Yankees have done this a lot. I think Thomas and I would not be upset, not to put words in your mouth, but I think if they get Quintana, like you said, fine second starter, you know, fine second move, but not quite exactly where we want to start this deadline. Yeah, or if you want to use him as a hybrid, he eats innings down the stretch and then he gets relegated to the bullpen for the postseason because you're going to need long guys in the postseason. We see it every year. Um, even if you have an ironclad starting four to go through a seven-game series, there's going to be a blow-up somewhere. You know, we've seen it with the Dodgers. Uh, we saw it last year. Uh, Julio Urias and Walker Bueller got tired. They didn't last into games. The Dodgers' bullpen was eaten alive. You have a guy like Quintana to eat three innings to bridge the gap to the, the seventh and eighth and ninth inning guys, and that's a win. Um, so, uh, look, I'm on Paul. I, I'm on. I'm on the same page. If Quintana is acquired for the right purposes, but that cannot be the starting pitching acquisition. Um, one thing that I did, I, I really needed your answer on this because I called this um, right before the All Star break when the Yankees buried the Red Sox uh, in those last two games of the series, outscored them twenty-seven to three. 
Um, and then you have the massacre this weekend at Fenway. Uh, the Blue Jays sweep them, outscore them by 30 runs. Um, are the Red Sox in full sell mode? Because I need to see this core done, Robert. Come on. I, I think it's very likely at this point that they're going to sell. And you're going to be a very happy man, Thomas. Yes. But, but I would not expect Xander Bogarts to go anywhere. So it's yeah. not like you're going to see the entire like crew being traded here. Yeah. But instantly, J.D. Martinez becomes a trade candidate. Nathan Uvalde, um, yeah. some of their left-handed relievers. I know there's teams who love Matt Strom. Um, so like those are going to be the three that are like probably the most prominent ones. And I, the Mets to me make a whole lot of sense for JD Martinez. Cause they need a big bopper in that lineup. Oh boy. I made Adam happy too. I'm making everybody happy. I, now. I went from making happy. So there we go. I love, so I, my only, yeah. I don't have an issue with the Mets. My only problem. My, I have no issue with the Mets. My only problem here, and this is what I'm scared of, is the Red Sox and the Astros doing business. I cannot have any of that. Uvalde cannot go to the Astros. I know they need, they're, they're going to need a little bit of rotation help, not a whole lot. Um, but if they add another bat there, that's terrifying. Um, I know that they pretty much have mostly, but like, you know, they have some guys like JJ Matajevic getting regular at bats. I don't know if that's sustainable for them into the postseason. Is there, is there any traction with the Astros potentially reaching out to the Red Sox should this, you know, become more of a storyline with them selling? Yeah, they're going to trade all their pieces to Houston for cash. <laughs> 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 no. um, I, I mean, I would fully expect the Astros to make a call to the Red Sox about yeah. these kind of guys. Um, and especially since Evaldi is a big game pitcher and like, he's got postseason experience that's extremely valuable to a team like Houston – and he knows the Yankees, um, and the Yankees know him too, of course. But um, I have not heard anything linking either team, but I'm not going to rule that out. Um, Got to be honest, I didn't think of it until now, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. And Thomas has been on this this morning, and I'm not happy about it. But Ivaldi is Ivaldi is such an Astro. We'll we'll find out in, a, in about eight days, like you said. On Ben and Tendi, just before we you know let sleepy dogs lie. Um, you you seem to be more skeptical of the Yankees fit than I think other people. Mark Feinstein this weekend. All, well, first we got the vaccination news, right? Everybody's like, all right, no Blue Jays, no AL East. And the Blue Jays were one of those front runners, like you mentioned, for half. Like they were in on Benintendi and it's like, well, he can't physically play there, so he will not be a J. And then all of a sudden you start getting these bubbles that are like, well, don't rule out the AL East just yet. And then you got Feinstein on Saturday saying, uh, you know, the Yankees are serious contenders. That makes almost no sense to me. And I feel like you've communicated that it makes very little sense to you too. But where do you stand as of, you know, this Monday? Is, is that anything we need to look out for? So I, I don't want to discredit the work that Fine Sand has done because I, I love Mark, great guy, good or like very good reporter. Um, but I think I'm in the skeptical category with the Yankees and Ben Attendee because – um, of the vaccination thing, first of all, uh, I think that's a pretty big, um, pretty big factor when you're looking at a player. Cause like you'd be acquiring a player and then trading a whole lot for him when he can't, or he wouldn't be eligible to play in Canada. Um, and I, I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense unless he somehow gets vaccinated between now and like when he's eventually traded. Um, and then something that I always come back to is I've had teams, I've had agents tell me that the Yankees are okay with their name being floated in rumors just so it can drive the price up 
from another team. And I wondered if that was the case now because Ben Intendi's market is hot. Like his, like I was told that the, the Royals are going to get a, a pretty substantial like package in return for him and having the Yankees in there as a significant suitor or whatever he, or however it was phrased uh, would end up helping them get that package. So not going to rule it out. I think a guy like David Peralta makes a whole lot more sense. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm in the skeptical category of Ben Intendi. Yeah. I, I like, I was thinking that too, because the Yankees have been involved in a lot more of these discussions than they usually are. Um, and to me, I thought it was a bit of a tactic because, you know, Houston's going to be involved. Um, you know, Toronto's going to be involved. I don't think it's crazy to say that the Rays might be involved. The Rays are still contenders and the Rays have a very strong farm system. Um, so they have enough to part with it. And then also you have the Padres who are going to be in on everybody. And that's not necessarily a big loss for the Yankees because it's in a different league, but they're still taking away potential candidates from them, which is going to hurt them. Um, so look, Robert, we know that, uh, you don't have much time left here, but I want to play one quick guessing game before you go. Who do, do you th- who do you think will be the new players on the Yankees come August 2nd? And oh will it be enough? And will it be enough to take down the Astros in the American league? Let me think about this. So I'll say I'll go with Luis Castillo as the biggest piece. Um, I'll say one of the Cubs relievers. I'll just say one of the Cubs relievers. I don't want to give a name. That's there. fine. Um, let's see. Let's go Peralta, David Peralta. Okay. Um, um, yeah, let's We're going to get four. Okay, that's probably <laughs> four, four new people. Yeah. I'll just stick with those three for right now. Okay. I think that's a haul, Adam. What do you think? I would be more than happy with that. I'm taking that. You know, if we end up with Hap, then that's, you know, God-tier work by Brian Cashman. But Peralta, someone I've had my eye on. Get me bullpen help. Um, Get me Luis. Like, honestly, I've shifted fully into get me Luis Castillo mode, and and I'm not going to be changing that anytime soon until the deadline happens. The worst part about it, of course, is that he'll either be a Yankee or he'll be on one of the worst possible teams for him to be on. There is no middle ground where he ends up a Padre or a giant. I feel like, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's either, it's either a direct rival and it, they are going to bump up against him on the road to the world series or he's a Yankee and it's glorious. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We will obviously be in touch as the deadline arrives. Uh, now get back to your world of scoops, my man. I'm, I'm trying my best. I can report for right now that uh, talks are definitely active around the league, not just with the Yankees. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if, like, a decent-sized name, I don't think it's going to be today, but, like, in the next 24 to 36 hours goes. So stay tuned. All right. Thank you. I am very scared. Thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate you guys. Take care, bud. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Robert Murray, fan side is MLB insider. Appreciate his insight so much. A treat to have him on. We are just eight days away from the deadline, like he said. And FYI to all of you listeners, uh, that deadline is 6 p.m. on Tuesday for whatever reason. So if you blocked off a lunch break, you were going to be refreshing Twitter until, you know, 2 o'clock, seeing if the Yankees made a move. We've all been there. It's fun as hell to be there. Adjust your plans. Grab a quick dinner. Uh, you know, your boss, if you say you're taking a trade deadline break in the middle of the day, your boss will know that you are lying. Uh, because they will be knowledgeable enough to know that it's it's six o'clock this year. Obviously, your boss is a Yanks Go Yard podcast listener. They know what they know what's up. They know what's going on. Uh, my man just got a Matt Carpenter jersey in the mail. Let's go, fella. Look at that. That's what you call a Robinson Sweet. Cano jersey homemade from the Chinese internet. It becomes a Matt Carpenter Gary jersey Sanchez. these days. A Gary Sanchez jersey. <laughs> Throwback Tito Martinez. That's a Matt Carpenter jersey, my man. Hopefully, you don't have a name on the back there. But if you do, I mean, obviously, Carp Carpenter, Carp Dog, etc. I'm just mad at names on the back of jerseys now because of the customization process at the all-star game last week. Uh, you yeah. had to customize. You couldn't, even if you wanted Aaron judge or Stanton, like the biggest names of the game, you had to customize took an hour and a half. When I went to go pick up my Jersey, they lost it and we're trying to get, you know, they were going to do another one. It was going to take another three or four hours. I said, no, don't do that. I sped up the process. I talked to the manager. I carried my way into a Nestor Cortez jersey, fresh off the line. Beautiful, but name on the back. It's just giving me bad memories of that custom jersey line. Thomas Carinante, the Yankees did win two out of three in Baltimore. Let's just quickly wrap this up with the week of the weekend that was, which was honestly more interesting uh, for our rivals than for us. But we can't stop thinking about what did happen over the weekend in Baltimore. The Michael King thing, extremely disheartening on Friday. But you know what would have been more disheartening? five outs had to be recorded, right? King left midway through an AB with a one, two count. Clay Holmes had to come in and get five outs in a one run game. That was seven, three before our oldest Chapman absolutely pooped the bed. Uh, and he did, he did the job. So that was an extremely depressing night that would have been 
the most depressing of the season if they'd blown a late four-run lead, gotten walked off by the Orioles, and lost Michael King all in one fell swoop. Winning that game was hugely important because the Yankees did blow a lead behind Garrett Cole on a red-hot, steamy, smoky, hazy day on Saturday in the evening before Nestor Cortez took the series in 97 ridiculous heat. Must have felt like Hialeah, Florida. The kid threw six shutout. His ERA is back under 2.5. Don't let that fool you into thinking the Yankees don't need a pitcher, though, because Luis Severino, not a guy right now when he comes back. How about this to add to, to Robert's predictions? I think the Yankees are getting one bullpen name at the deadline, and they're going to use Richard Rodriguez as that second. Everybody keeps looking for, like, who's the second guy we take a flyer on? I think it's Richard Rodriguez. And I think by the end of the year, they're hoping that they get two more trustworthy names embedded in this bullpen circle of trust and then use Luis Severino as a reliever down the stretch and into the postseason, especially if they trade for a guy like Castillo. I think your playoff rotation, knock on wood, all things considered, is Cole, Castillo, Nestor, Jordan Montgomery. And the hope would be that you could patch a Severino, Marinaccio, Loisica, you know, Clay Holmes, full-time acquisition, Tyone, who's out of my playoff rotation but should be on the roster. I think there, yeah. there are a lot of people to work with there. Clark Schmidt, three-inning three save yesterday. Um, you know, even with the Michael King injury, I still think there were more positives than negatives this weekend. It's just that the one negative was stunningly negative. Um, but it happened before the deadline. So if you're going to be upset by it, that's a pretty significant silver lining. Yeah. Um, if this happened after the deadline and the Yankees hadn't made the necessary adjustments that they needed to, it'd be, it'd be a lot uglier. Um, but even with, but with your estimation, then if they acquire one reliever and then elevate Richard Rodriguez, maybe the plan was always in place for them to potentially expect an injury somewhere. I don't know. Um, but I do like if you get Castillo, then you're relegating somebody to the bullpen I thought, you know, I thought in the beginning of the year, Luis Severino would start the year in the bullpen, get built up to be a starter, but we could be looking at the opposite. Starts the year as a starter, ends the year as a reliever. I don't know. But there were two upsetting aspects of this weekend because Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole uh, blowing it on Saturday night, that further accentuates the need for a guy like Castillo. Um, I'm not what, – what I'm not saying – I like Garrett Cole. He's a great pitcher. He's not, he's not somebody who takes the mound – against uh, you know a highly competitive AL rival and you are a thousand percent confident that he's going seven one or he's you know going six shutout um it, it doesn't really happen that often um for a player of his magnitude for a player who's making as much as he is I understand we should not care about the money and we don't care about the money um but when you're the highest paid in the sport the expectations are a little bit different um, and it's tough for Garrett Cole because, to be honest, he came out to pitch on Saturday night when the Yankees had that 3-2 lead, and it just felt like it was not going to be great. Um, but, hey, look, the Orioles are a pretty decent team. Um, they've been a doormat for three or four years now. Um, I think that uh, facing them is – that's why I, I think Nestor Cortez's out yesterday was a lot more impressive um, than people might be giving him credit for. Um, the Orioles have been giving everybody trouble in MLB this year. Um, so it's not any easier for the Yankees uh, who have had trouble against them when they were bad. So now that they're good, the stakes are higher. The Orioles still want to beat them. We know how it is. Um, 
So that was another troubling aspect that you have King go down. Um, you have a role this Chapman play at all. Um, my hopeful hot take for the deadline is that the Yankees attach a top 15 prospect to a role this Chapman, get him out, get 7 million of salary off the books and then be able to be a little bit more flexible because you know, they are not exceeding the threshold. Um, unless they feel super confident. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think they are. I think it's going to be more of a creativity type thing. And, hey, if they get rid of Chapman, get that $7 million off the books, Luis Castillo is making 7.4, but you're inheriting a little bit less than half of that. Gives them a little bit room to do something else maybe. Um, so overall satisfied with the series in Baltimore. I think a, the 2021 Yankees do not win that series, by the way. They, they shit the bet on Saturday, and then they come out Sunday – and maybe get out to an early two nothing lead, and then the wheels come off in the sixth, and they lose, you know, six to three. We know what that story looks like. So six six zero shutout on Sunday was that that made me glad, um, especially with the Astros just absolutely whomping the Seattle Mariners um, in that series uh, in Seattle. Uh, made me feel a lot better because we lost the ground on them. Um, but here we are, series win. You know, the doubleheader against the Astros on Thursday. It was what it was. I'm not making any excuses for the Yankees. They've been shit against the Astros. I know last year I'm not Aaron Boone. Let's give props to Aaron Boone. I know we're going off way, way off topic here, but after the Astros game, he's asked about it. He said, it doesn't, you know, the, the Yankees have to change the narrative. We, we beat them. We beat them four games out of six last year. What did that get us? Aaron Boone said, and he's right. Where did that get them? The Yankees won 92 games. They sputtered out in the wild card game. The Astros went to the world series. This is the Astros league to lose. Um, they've been to uh, every ALCS since 2017. Um, they proved this year that even with, you know, Michael Brantley was out for this series against the, that two game series against the Yankees, Jordan Alvarez just got activated from the IL immediately makes an impact. Um, they're getting Lance McCullers back folks. Uh, so this team's going to be getting stronger, um, which creates more of an urgency around what the Yankees need to do with the deadline. Um, and I think, you know, uh, King's injury when it happened, shitty, awful, but if you're looking at any silver lining, like you said, it happened before the deadline. So now they can maybe get an extra reliever if they want to, um, or maybe getting that co-ace is even more important, um, because you got to preserve the bullpen. Um, and maybe you move one of these starters into a longer relief role, which is going to save, uh, innings. And on one final note. I'd love to know why Clark Schmidt is not storing games over Domingo Herman. Can somebody explain that to me? Can somebody in the media ask that question when Domingo Herman is going to, first of all, takes the mound the second game of a doubleheader after they lose the first game against the Houston Astros, and now he's going head-to-head with Max Scherzer at City Field against the Mets? Unreal. What are you doing? Guess who else is starting on Wednesday, though? Guess who else is lined up for Wednesday? not Sears. It's not Schmidt. It's the Cincinnati Reds ace, Luis Castillo. So if you're going to do it, if you're going to do, if you're going to do it, then do it for Domingo Herman versus Max Scherzer. (laughs) I have maybe never been less invested in the results of a regular season series than I am in this Mets series at City Field. It's two games long for one thing. So there's no three-game sweep. There's no statement made. You lose two freaking games and you got swept. Wednesday is the most automatic auto loss in the history of auto losses. They are not winning Domingo Herman Max Scherzer. They might have a chance 
with Sears and Schmidt and the bullpen cover seven innings with those guys. I mean, even that's an extremely difficult ask considering Scherz is going to come out throwing fire, but you could win that game two, one or three, two, you're not winning Domingo Herman, Max Scherzer. So fix it before then you won't, or you could just accept the loss because again, you're not winning. So Jordan Montgomery, Taiwan Walker is tough too, but that's a baseball game. That's interesting to me. Mets offense has been scuffling. Let's see what happens there. Maybe it's another close, interesting win or a tight, annoying loss. Herman Scherzer is the stupidest thing on the major league docket this year. And there's a ready-made solution. Well, okay. Actually, third stupidest thing. Second stupidest is a role as Chapman's game plan whenever he comes in. Uh, Friday was the worst outing I've ever seen for him. Oh, my God. All fastballs to the first batter gave up a hit. Uh, slider, 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 slider. Oh, wait, Anthony Santander was sitting slider and took a slider out. Yeah, thanks for playing. Uh, he's getting worse, not better. <clears throat> he's one of the worst relievers in baseball since the spider tack ban. He's not even close to competence. Uh, nothing about, you know, he already shouldn't have been on a major league roster, and, and now it's not even close. Uh, but the dumbest thing you'll see this year was luckily not us. It was the Boston Red Sox. Take a look at the error reel. Uh, that the Boston Red Sox put up over the last 10 days. They are 1-9. and nine. Uh, They have the league's worst run differential since 1901 in a five-game period, including a 28-5 drubbing on Friday night at the hands of the Blue Jays. They're not far enough behind us that I'm rooting for them to beat the Blue Jays. I can't get there. The Red Sox are – are the Red Sox 17 games behind the Yankees? Uh, in the at the end of July, yes, is 17 enough for me to start rooting for them? No, they got to be way under 500. They got to be a spoiler for me to be doing that. Like in the middle of 2020, and even then, it still feels dirty because they win one or two in a row, and I'm like, man, they could get on a roll. So you'll never catch me doing that. But you can't win one at home against the Blue Jays. Help us out a little bit. Like I'm not protesting, but you can't win one. No, you lose 28 five. 4-1-8-4. And the only reason I don't think Brian Bayo is the worst young player in Major League Baseball history is because Jeter Downs might be the worst young player in Major League Baseball history. I can't decide between the two guys. Uh, the Jaron Duran inside the park Grand Slam, how is he not demoted to, to double A or, or jettisoned in some like hybrid trade stood and watched while the left fielder and right fielder converged on the ball that he fucked up in the lights. And then after the game said, catching a fly ball in the twilight is one of the hardest things you could do when you guys do it. Let me know. Oh, we're snarking the reporters now after we decided to stop (laughs) running in the middle of a game, like your controller got unplugged. Like this is the most uniquely, uh, what a ridiculous struggle for the Red Sox somehow only like they have like four, they have five wins in July and three of them are against the Yankees. So whoopie freaking do, but what a uniquely terrible collapse and an extremely unlikable group of baseball players. And nobody yeah. deserves it more than Alex Cora uh, and Red Sox fans, of course, but Alex Cora, I've often said does not belong in baseball after watching the Red Sox after the all-star break. This might not be baseball I actually might've gotten my wish. Not, yeah, worst like you said, worst run differential since 1901. That's a nitpicky stat, but I will say it's considerable. I when you're the worst, when you are the worst, yeah. it's it's noteworthy. Yeah, and uh, special thanks to Sydney Sweeney, uh, Euphoria star. She's been met in many other things. Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with her. Um, 
everyone loves her for her acting, but she threw out that first pitch on Friday at Fenway Park. I don't know her connection with Boston, Sydney. If you want to come on the pod and talk to us, uh, according to Wikipedia, you're from Washington. Um, so I don't know why you're wearing a Red Sox jersey and you're in Boston um, throwing the first pitch out. But Sydney Sweeney throws out the first pitch at Fenway Friday night before this three-game series starts, um, and the Red Sox promptly get outscored 40-10 to 10 over three games. Um, they fall to 500. Shout out to the Red Sox. This team loves to play the underdog role. They love to ride with momentum, right? 43 and 33 entering the month of July, five and 15 since they hit that mark, which on that date in on June 30th were tied with the Toronto Blue Jays for second in the division. Now they have fully sputtered out of control. If they are not selling at the deadline, I think Robert Murray all but officially confirmed that they will be doing that once the deadline arrives. Um, it would be absolutely shocking, but this is what the organization ended up wanting. You saw the bad vibes. See, like, this is where I despise the Red Sox and I have to respect the Yankees because the Yankees don't do this shit. The Yankees might not have won a World Series or even just, you know, had any relative playoff success since 2009, but the Yankees are never doing this. Their worst teams are still winning records, you know, six games above 500. And like barely, you know, maybe in the wild card race, the Red Sox managed to bottom out, come in last by 19 games, you know, become an embarrassment, trade a franchise player that you're never going to see the likes of again, have all these players playing out of position, making errors, making excuses for errors when the errors have been commonplace across the roster. Um, Ownership wants to penny pinch for whatever reason when they when they print money Um, and then it's convenient for the fans Uh, at least, you know, the undesirable ones, because they just won't give a shit about baseball. And then it's back to the Patriots at week one starting. We're we're focused on football. Um, I I just, I hate, I I just, this is why I can't stand Boston because they'll take pride in whatever this sell job. Oh, Bloom's a genius now because he traded all of our assets, rebuilt the farm system, and we're going to be contending in three years ago. How about just not having to bottom out and be an embarrassment on national TV? How about just doing it with tact, um, and with some class, the Red Sox don't do that. Um, so shout out to the Red Sox for riding with all that momentum. You know, remember the Yankee season was beginning to collapse when the, when the, when the Red Sox managed to split that four game set after the Yankees had fumbled it after winning those first two. And then Red Sox admirably followed that up with a four game sweep at the trial. Oh no, wait, the race swept them four games at the trial. Oh yeah. And then, and then they got that awesome extra innings victory against the Yankees that Friday night right before the break. And then, oh, they got outscored 27 to three to lose the final two games of that series. And now they've been outscored 67 to 13 over their last five games. You don't belong in baseball. You don't deserve to make any excuses if that's how badly you're playing. We've seen bad teams enter this year. How much shit did the Pirates, the Reds, the Cubs, uh, the even the Orioles before they started this turnaround fit. Everyone was up in arms about how bad these teams are. You have not seen a stretch even close to this futile as what the Red Sox are doing right now. Um, and somehow it's just not going to be as big of a story as it should be. Um, Adam, I know your favorite line is they're going to get a bunch of shitty players at the deadline. Mm-hmm. They're all going to end up being well, uh, end up playing well, which will be frustrating. But we have this five game stretch that we can revel in Sydney Sweeney. Thank you so much. I don't know what the vibes you brought there were. Maybe it was witchcraft on your part. Like we said, come on the pod. We'll talk about it. Um, but Red Sox bottoming out. This is the last of the Red Sox core we're going to see. You know, Chris Sale's here for a couple more years with that. Aaron Hicks' line drive 
fully solidified. I think the Red Sox selling and then the Blue Jays put the final nail in the coffin. So hopefully we don't have to see J.D. Martinez again. Xander Bogart's hopefully gone after this year. Um, and then a bunch of these other guys. Christian Vasquez, see you later. Um, goodbye. Rest in peace to the 2022 Boston Red Sox. Yep. This is the most uncomfortable time to be a Red Sox hater. Like you said, all they ever do is acquire three of the worst players you've ever heard of in your life and immediately get better. So they will do a hybrid sell-off where they get rid of J.D. and Nathan Evaldi. And they'll, you know, they'll bring James Paxton back. They'll trade for, you know, somebody off somebody's bench. Who will, they'll trade for three Rob Snyders. Red Sox fans love to say Yankees fans luck into this stuff. You, you just don't get to say that if you've had Steve Pierce on your baseball team. If you had Jose Iglesias hit 360 down the stretch for you last year, but the only reason he was unable to help you in the playoffs is because you forgot to get him in time and you got him later than the legal postseason roster limit. So I appreciate that. Travis Shaw, why was he good with the Red Sox? Um, you know, every single – they'll get an Eduardo Nunez type who will hit 320 with speed and power. Uh, but the, the hope is that they do it next year and not this year and that they just go full sell at this year's deadline. It would be very nice. At the very least, 28-5 did happen. And no, not in the Patriots way. Not in the, yeah, 28-5. And then what happened? You lost two more games. That's what happened. You didn't come back and you lost two more games. God, I hate them so much. Uh, let's hope Robert's right, because it would be fun to see Evaldi anywhere other than Houston. Alvin, Texas, that's where he's from. He's from Nolan Ryan's hometown. Texas Rangers, maybe. You guys interested? You guys are licking at the edges of the wildcard race. Mariners, you want to do a deal? Mariners, Matt, Matt Brash for Nathan Evaldi. Get on the horn. We shall see. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag queue. We will be more than happy to answer that question for you. We got eight days left before the break. That means episodes Thursday and Monday. We might even go live. You just pull off a crazy trade. You never know. But we thank Fansides MLB Insider Robert Murray for sharing his expertise with us. What a great half hour. Listen to him on the Baseball Insiders podcast. Live with Mark Harmon. They go live too. Also on the Fansided Network. You're going to love it if you love this. Obviously, you love this. He's a great guy. And guess what? He respects our opinion too. How about that? He's the insider, but he's asking us what we think. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Uh, head on over to YanksGoGuard.com. A lot of content there for you. We're going to have some special audio clips, as we mentioned earlier um, in this podcast, later in the week. Uh, we don't know when. We're trying to you know, navigate this trade deadline. Uh, talk to us on the official YanksGoGuard Twitter account, at YanksGoGuardFS. And one more time, big thanks to the summer, AA Somerset Patriots, and Eli Fishman, who hooked us up to hang out at podcast night um, at TD Bank Stadium. Uh, it was a great time. Um, hope some fans there caught wind of the pod. Uh, we got announced on the loudspeaker. Pretty cool. Um, and are listening right now. Uh, welcome. We're here to talk. We're here to chat. We're here to have fun. Um, we'll see you next on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here. Maybe a big deal will have gone down. Maybe we won't see Domingo Harmon on Wednesday. Let's hope for that. Should we uh, Should we give the fans a little gift here? Should we, should we toss on that first uh, audio bite we got of the Patriots game? Let's do it. All right. Everybody stick around and listen to New York Yankees top 20 prospect, Brandon Lockridge, talking baseball, talking what's changed with the new regime and why hit strikes hard is such an impactful little motto. Hope you enjoy and we'll see you back live on Thursday. Hey, Brandon, what's up? Jimmy from the Bottom Line Podcast. So having been a part of this organization for four years, being drafted by the Yankees in 2018, just describe your overall feelings about being part of such a organization yeah man for being drafted in 2018 um i really couldn't have picked a better organization to be drafted by um 
you know, first-class organization, the way they treat the players, um, the guys they sign. You know, you, you kind of tell a difference to the clubhouse. Everything about this place is, is awesome. The guys I get to play with every day. Um, I'm fortunate and I'm, you know, super blessed to be a part of it. So. Thank you, Brandon. Next. Hi, uh, Adam Weiner, BXGO Yard. Uh, you're a speed guy, mm-hmm. obviously, and this year feels like the coaching staff, like the light switched on, everybody at the major league level, free reign to run more, et cetera. It's been more of an emphasis. Do you feel that down here too? And, and do you feel like your, your skill set is more respected at the big league level? Absolutely. Uh, just having the big league coaching staff, I mean, a lot of the guys are guys that I've played for at minor league level now that, you know, guys we're all comfortable around. Um, they've voiced their opinion of, you know, they want us to be aggressive, they want us to steal. Uh, use this time in the minor leagues to, to develop and you know you never know what you're gonna be able to do until you, you tried it whether that's making mistakes on the base path it's kind of like part of you know the learning process um, you know it's super comfortable uh, just being around these guys the coaches staff everyone makes it a point that you know you don't want to be afraid to, to make a mistake um, not to be dumb by any means but you know you use your baseball IQ and uh, be aggressive and you know take the training wheels off so Got the next one. Hi, I'm Ryan from Fireside Yankee. Mm-hmm. So I know last year Dylan Lawson, one of his biggest philosophies was hit strikes hard. How do you think you apply that um, at the at the minor league level to make sure that you know you're generating power, sure, but you're not getting over uh, over anxious and uh, selling out, uh, you know, ability to make contact with anyone. Yeah, that whole philosophy that he brought in, it's a simple concept, but uh, some of the best hitters are very simple, simple-minded at the plate. So, um, you know, hitting isn't easy uh, by any means. So trying to simplify it and take a, a very basic approach into it, sometimes thinking less, uh, you know, that, that's not obviously how we go about hitting. Uh, it's not a simple, as simple as it looks. We do all of our work and everything in the cages, all that good stuff. Uh, but when it comes to game time, you got to trust your work. And a simple mindset is honestly, you know, why a lot of guys have the success they have. So, um, obviously, that hit strikes hard. It's like I said, it's very uh, simplistic in a way. But if you really break it down and you you swing at strikes, you take the pitches you're supposed to take. And when you do swing and you hit it hard, I mean, that's you're going to get the outcome you you would want. You know, so. Thank you. Yeah. Let's got the next one. Brandon Will Harris from Yankees Files. Uh, we who focus on the major league level a lot, hear a lot about the impact of the lost 2020 season mm-hmm. on minor league player development. Can you speak to how you think it affected you personally to lose that season and the changes that you've seen in 21 and 22? I know there have been wholesale changes throughout the minor leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, that I mean, I had close to five, I think it was over 500 at bats in 2019. Uh, to not get that 500 in 2020 is, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Um, Unfortunately, everybody's kind of in the same boat unless you're at the alternate site. Um, but it's kind of what you did with that time. I feel like that, you know, paid paid dividends uh, for me personally. I was able to work on some strength conditioning stuff and uh, increase arm strength. You know, just overall athletic, uh, you know, ability and stuff, and fine tune some hitting stuff to to I think what helped me have a, a good season last year. Um, it's unfortunate, like I said, you, you really can't make up 500 at bats. That experience, that you know, especially building on what you built on the year before, you kind of have that year away from from live pitching. I wasn't fortunate enough to have uh, access to any any live arm or anything during that whole year, so you know, you can only get so much. Uh, you know, realistic training from the cages, you know, without the competitive side of everything. Um, but that's just part of the game. There's, you know, a lot of people that had way worse than us in 2021. So uh, to be able to continue to play the game and, you know, improve now, is just, you know, all we can control. So it was good. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Hey, good morning, Chris Knott from Bronx Baseball and Beer. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's safe to say that this group of players that you guys have here at this level and throughout the whole minor league organization is very, very special. I mean, probably one of the best prospect classes we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you guys mesh, how you guys, you know, you know what your relationships are like on and off the field, um, and just kind of like, you know, you guys pushing yourselves to get to the next level. What's that like playing with such a big, you know, special group of guys? Yeah, this team is different. It's, uh, we kind of knew coming into spring training, you kind of get a feel for where guys are going to be, um, especially the guys that have been around a little while, the guys that have had good seasons. We were, we were looking at this during spring training. A bunch of us guys got down to, to spring training early. We were eager to get going, you know, and everything. And just seeing the way guys, uh, you know, reacted during spring training around each other. Um, we kind of approached spring training a little differently this year. We made it, everything was kind of a competitive environment. And, you know, seeing our guys compete, whether it's, you know, uh, you know Elijah Dunham and and Volpe. Uh, we were doing sled work in early spring training, and them competing, going head and head. You know, talking smack back and forth. Like it was just fun to be around. Like there's nobody there. Whether you're a first baseman that wasn't very fast. You know, you saw first baseman's improving speed. Um, I feel like it was huge to to have that competitive aspect to to training. Um, and seeing guys go head to head like that, I was like, I can't wait to see way guys are acting when we're playing outside competition. You know, and now you, you're kind of seeing it. it's like. Uh, there's fight in this team. There's fight with every single one of these guys. I think you're going to see a lot of big league guys that are on this team. Uh, arguably, I, I think everybody here could put play in the big leagues, and that's kind of tough to say in you know a minor league team. So um, just knowing that, that's, I feel like that's why we're winning so many games. Uh, there's competitors. There's fight in every single one of these guys. And um, the way we get along, the way everybody, you know, there, there's no clubhouse drama. Everybody, you know, handles themselves well on and off the field. It's, it's special. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Whipple from Yankees about. Mm-hmm. So uh, my question is, how much do you pay attention, you and your teammates pay attention to what's going on at the major level? Obviously, we're approaching the trade deadline, there's injuries. Is it hard to tune that out? Like, what's your mindset when you think about that stuff? No, so I mean, it's funny you ask that because we, even after games and stuff, like you'll see half the team sitting around watching our big league club play. And I mean, it's, I feel like it's important. Like we're, we're supporting our guys. Like, you know, they're, they're crushing it up there. They're having a career year, you know, seeing them play like the way they played this year is, is incredible. And I mean, we're in there watching every single out of every, you know, staying around an extra hour after our game some nights to, to watch these guys. And, you know, we learn something from watching these guys play the way they fight. You know, they're, they're unbelievably talented and, uh, you know, kind of trying to put ourselves in a situation of like, you know, that could be any of us within the next year, two years, end of the year. Like, you know, we got pitchers that, you know, could make a difference. You got position players that could be up, you know. So it's, I mean, it's special. Like it's it's the, the hours we spend in here working on our own game um, and being able to, to learn stuff from our guys up there, seeing like our, our guy Travis Chapman, like he was my first or first base coach in, in Loe in 2019. So turn on the TV and seeing him at first base is like, it kind of gives me chills, you know. It's like a great guy. So much of my career I can thank to him uh, for, you know, helping me become a better baseball player, believing in myself, everything. Um, everything from, from seeing some of these guys that are in spring training, you know, now in the big leagues, everything. Ron coming with us, you know, two nights ago, uh, having him in the clubhouse with us when I knew I was on the team, you know, the double-A team with him this time last year is, it's awesome. So, yeah, everybody's pulling for everybody. It doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, everybody here from, you know, rookie ball to the big leagues gets along. And, uh, you know, we, we know we have to play well and we'll get to the big leagues at some point or another, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Ham, reading from the Garden State, probably the only non-Yankee or baseball <laughs> podcast here. Um, Welcome. Florida guy. 
right? So can you talk to me a little bit about experience, your experience here within Somerset and then as in New Jersey as a whole? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a little more familiar with the, the Northeast now. I, I really didn't play up here much and really my whole life until I went to Staten Island when I first got drafted. Um, super familiar with the area now. I, I love Somerset. The area is awesome. Everybody here is super welcoming. Um, Playing up here is nice in the summer. I played in Charleston in 19, and uh, the temperature difference, even though it's hot today, this is uh, an average to, to below average day with the humidity and everything in, in Charleston. But uh, being this close to this many Yankee fans, like there's quite a few Yankee fans in the South, but up here, you're, you're right around the corner from, from Yankee Stadium. So people love their baseball. They love their Yankee baseball. And uh, having that support every night in the stadium is, you can see it every night. I mean, whether it's a Tuesday night here, we have great crowds at every game, regardless of what day it is. Um, doesn't matter where you're playing at. You can be playing in Maine. You can be playing anywhere. There's anywhere in the Northeast up here. There's a lot of Yankees fans that are there, and um, it, it's super easy to play when you have that support system, you know, behind you. So um, I, I love the Northeast. I think you talked to everybody in the locker room, and they all love the area and love playing for the Patriots. You know. Awesome. Thank you. Brandon, Tyler, and Rob from uh, Fort Train Savages podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I got two part for you, real quick. Mm -hmm. Favorite thing about playing for the Patriots, and then the toughest part about being back. Um, favorite part would have to be my teammates, man. Uh, teammates, coaching staff, the, the support system we have here. Um, we have fun, whether you know, whether it's a tough loss. At the end of the day, we know the goal is to get better and to win baseball games. And with this group, you know, no matter how bad of a skid we have, we know that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to play good baseball and we're going to win games. Um, and I mean. It's super easy to do that when you play for a coaching staff like we have uh, to have a, like I said, the support system we have and then a fun group of players around you, whether, you know, it doesn't matter who's struggling. If someone's struggling at the time, you got your teammates there to back you up. Um, they all believe in you. You can feel that when, when you have your support from your teammates and you know that they're, you know, deep down wanting you to do well and it's, it's a, you know, a mutual feeling. Um, it makes baseball a lot more fun, you know? So that's, um, what was the second part you said? Toughest part about the Toughest part. Um, probably cliche just the, the travel the pay you know all that that's typical stuff but uh like my, my i'm married my wife travels with me so we make it work on you know a little bit less income than probably the average married couple so uh but it's all part of it and we get to see a bunch of cool places together and uh experience you know a traveling different lifestyle than you know a lot of people our age so awesome. yep we'll do a few more cuts that i have to do a hard stop so we can get into the cage we'll go mm -hmm. work the three okay uh, hi there, Nick Nielsen with Fireside Yankees. Mm -hmm. um, the Yankees over the past five or so years have put a real big emphasis on the analytics and the advanced sabermetric side of baseball. Have you noticed that trend kind of also seep into the minor leagues as well, where now you're working on like spin rate and torque and launching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of like an after fact thing, all the analytics stuff, you know, it basically gives you some uh, hard evidence of what you're doing and whatnot, whether the different technology and stuff we use. Um, as before, it was kind of like a feel thing, like guys could basically go everything off of, of feel and whatnot. So um, certain guys use it way more than others, you know. Um, personally, I feel like it's helped me a lot being able to see, you know, swing plane. Um, we wear like a blast sensor, so you kind of find out when you're going well, you see, okay, my swing plane's doing this. I start skidding a little bit. I'm missing pitches. You go take a look at this data. A lot of times you're maybe becoming more steep. Um, and then from a pitching standpoint, like our, our pitching department's done a great job. If you, Everybody can probably tell that with, with how good of arms we've developed and um, have across the board. So um, not as well, like, 
I guess, oriented with uh, what our pitching department does is way above my head, but they, they do a great job. And you got to you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, but from, yeah, Dylan Lawson brought in uh, the kind of whole philosophy and the, the way we go about things offensively. Um, you've seen a lot of guys that kind of made names for themselves uh, that may not have had that if they were with another organization. So, you know, we're super thankful for uh, all the analytics, you know, the things that it helps people with. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we're at with it. Hey, Brandon, Thomas Carinante from the NTR podcast. Um, going back uh, from to last year, uh, the Yankees clearly expressed a confidence in you. You mm-hmm. from uh, high A Hudson Valley up to here uh, after, what, like 30, 32 games or something like that. Uh, pretty impressive. So I want to know like how that kind of affected your mindset and what adjustments you've had to make perhaps quicker than other players who get a little bit more time to develop at a lower level. Um, I mean, it was one of those situations where we, we lost time, you know, where I would have probably spent more time in high A uh, had we not have lost that 2020 season. Um, getting pushed to double A, like I've always heard, it's like the biggest jump in the minor leagues and all that stuff. So I got up here and kind of was fortunate enough to have some immediate success, which helped my confidence. Because um, it's kind of like when you go from level to level, you don't really know what to expect until you've, you know, seen what the pitching is. And it kind of just makes it, we've had guys, you, you face big league rehabs now at, at this level constantly. It just shows that the the level of play is pretty even across the board. The consistency is different. Like obviously these arms are a little better. The bats will be more, be- you know, a little bit more consistent when they come here. Like, but at the end of the day, it's baseball. They still have to throw it across the plate. Um, it, it's kind of the same game, just you know, at a little bit lower level. So, um, I, I think it was a huge confidence boost to get to get pushed and to have some success and, and realize that I belong. And um, you know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. This game is a lot about confidence. And if you don't believe in yourself, you're gonna have a really rough time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate, though, so can't, can't complain at all with being pushed. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. One more so you get to stay on his schedule. Jimmy from the bottom of the podcast. So at 55 and 34, having already clinched the playoffs, uh, you guys really seem to be rolling so far this season, especially on the offensive side of the ball. What's been the one message that your manager has told you guys that has led you all at this point? Um, overall message, I would say it's kind of the same. It's just go out there, play fundamental baseball, um, continue to improve, and we're going to win games. Um, this is the minor leagues. Like it, Typically, it's kind of been all about development, and it, it still is about development, but um, we look at it in a little bit different way. If you win first, the stats are going to be good. You know, Everybody's going to be playing well, typically, when you're winning baseball games. So uh, if you approach it from that kind of standpoint instead of like a selfish standpoint, um, I, I do think that's why we're continuing to win baseball games. Like We, we don't necessarily have that... Uh, I wouldn't say edge that we had in the first half, but like we know we're going to playoffs now, but we're still winning baseball games. Um, that just shows you that you know we're playing with more relaxed, with that confidence that we have, and you know you got guys that are that are really turning it on, having unbelievable second half so far. And um, yeah, I think they're just going to continue to win games and uh, continue to have fun, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody say thank you to Brandon. Yep. Thank you. Absolutely. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.